is our God mighty? I mean, he is mighty. A hundred billion light years out, there he is. Back in, created us right on, and the, the video went right on inside of us as far as you could go. And if that was you laying there, that's him looking at you and looking at me individually. He knows us, and at the same time, he can watch things billions and light years away. That's a mighty God. That's our God. That's our God. Is he worthy? We heard this morning he's worthy. He is worthy. So we start with our commands. We're keeping that in mind and thinking of our God and thinking of the church and thinking of our nation. Our nation is headed down and has been for some time. But our God is that God, the little clip, that video, that's our God. He's in control. But God gives us, starting with our God's commands, God gives us three great commands in His Word through Jesus Christ. First two com comes out of Matthew 22. If you want to turn there. Matthew 22. Thirty-seven through forty, and I will uh, be doing a good bit of scripture, but just the first few minutes you can keep up if you want to. Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment, and the second is like unto it: Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. So what are we to do? What's the first great commandment? To love God with everything, right? With everything, our mind, our heart, our soul, strength, everything. Everything we have, and all we got to do is just take a little bit of a look around us outside when, when we go home to space, just as that video did. Our God is worthy to be praised. Our God is worthy to be loved. Correct? Amen. And that should be on our mind all the time. That should be on our heart all the time. Our actions don't always show it, but it should, and it will in time. But our heart, we're to love Him. He should be constantly on our mind, on our heart, and our soul, our spirit thinking of how mighty He is, how great He is. He can do anything at any time. He is the one and only great I Am. So that's His first great commandment. Jesus said it Himself. They were trying to trick Him, and He said, well, let me tell you about it. He already got the Sadducees, then He was going to get the Pharisees. He told them, love the Lord thy God with everything. And then He jumped to the second one, the second great commandment. Love your neighbor as yourself. Now, well, who is our neighbor, they asked him. Anyone that comes in your path. Anyone that comes in our path is our neighbor. How are we to love him? Love him as ourself. What does that mean? What does it mean to love someone like yourself? Well, I, I, I know I and 
y'all all failed at times, but I'm going to pretty much love myself. And I'm going to take care of myself. So just like I do me, I'm supposed to do for my neighbor. I'm supposed to take care of them. When God brings someone in my path, that's what I'm supposed to do. That's the two great commandments God said. He said, wrap all the law, put them all into those two commandments. To love Him with everything. That's why we come here, right? That's why we serve Him, correct? That's why we do for Him. So if you're here tonight and you just can't, can't see living by this commandment, just think of how mighty God is. Did He save you? If you're saved, that's the greatest thing ever. But to love Him with all of our heart, soul, mind, and to love our neighbor as ourselves. That's the two great commandments. The third commandment that I have down is Matthew 28, 18 through 20. It says, And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. He says He's with us always. The God that we just watched, that great big God that created all that, says He's with us all the time. He says in the third command to go and make disciples. What does that mean? It, it means to go and be a witness for Him. It means to go and teach others about Him. It means to love them, to lead them to Christ, to teach them about Him. So we have three commandments, three great commandments that came from Jesus. So what will happen if we are doing these commands? Joy, first of all, from being close to God. If we're loving Him with everything we have, we will be close to Him. Our spirit will be drawn to Him, and we will be walking with Him. So we will have joy being close to Him, and we will, it will lead to salvations. Salvations of the lost. church will have excitement in it. He will be honored, lifted up, and the church will grow as the first church and the American church did at one time. Keep in mind what the message is about. The American Christian church. And we're part of that. So if we're doing and following these commandments that God has brought forth and told us, to love Him with everything, every single thing about ourselves, to love our neighbor as ourselves, and to be going and making disciples, then there's a lot of good going to come out of that because we are honoring the one that created all that we've watched a while ago. That's done everything for us. So if we're doing that, we're going to be filled with His joy. Salvations are going to be happening. And there will be excitement in the church. 
He will be lifted up, and the church will grow. He will be adding souls to the church. So we have the three great commandments. The second thing was our contentment. Our contentment. This view of our contentment is my personal view now. Okay? This is my personal view of what I see as I look at the American Christian church. Now, I heard Mr. Norman say something a uh, while ago talking about the Sunday night, you know, us, the Sunday night crew, all of us that's here. And, you, you know, usually the ones that we're all God's children, but it just seems that you just have a little, I'm not going to say that, but we all have a burden for, for, for the lost. We all have a burden and we have a love for Christ. So with our commitment, the, this view of our commitment, excuse me, is my personal view of what I see as I look at the American Christian church and the first church of the Bible. I would like to say it's God, God's view, but it may not be. I, won't, I will not be so bold to say that. But please listen and let's put it to the test. The first church, number one, the first church in America and America as a whole started off with God's help. God being honored and God directing the decisions made for it. But for the last 50 years or so, God has been pushed aside and is not honored and asked to direct us. Number two, God and His Word was put at the forefront of the first church and our leaders as they made laws and it showed in the morality of the nation. But for some years now, his word has not been accepted for moral, moral direction. Number three, in the first church of Acts and the beginning of America's church, holiness was discussed and strived for. But for some time now, holiness, holiness is a bad word to bring up in a discussion, and if anything, it's looked down upon anyone trying to live a holy life. Number four, in the first church, in the beginning of America's church, real disciples were being made and churches being built. But for some time now, churches are shutting their doors and very few real disciples are being made. Number five, in the first church and in America's church, there was the power of God moving which was seen by God adding to the church lost souls, which produced excitement. Miracles were happening. There was a buzz in all the churches. But for some time now, it has become a routine, a habit, a duty, a come to church, hurry out, and get something to eat, and very little, if any, real moving of God's Holy Spirit. This is the universal church of America now I'm talking about. Not out of America, we're talking about America. Again, this is my view. So what's the problem? Why is that? Why is, there, why is, not, why is God not adding to the church like he did in the early, when the early church started? Why is that? God only knows, right? So what's the problem? I say it's contentment. 
The problem is the church. God's body has become content, at ease, and weak. Now, I'm not particularly pointing at us, at our church, but we are part of the church, okay? We are part of the church. So I'm not pointing at us necessarily, because I know all of you love God, and I love Him. But as the American Christian church is who I'm talking to, which includes us. So you put those three things, being content, at ease, and, and weak, you put those three things in any area of life, and the who or whatever will sooner or later falter at what they're supposed to be. Right? You got a job and you become content? You become easy at work? Come weak? Laid back? You're going to falter. It's going to be seen. Sooner or later, the evidence is going to come forth. It was said, the only thing necessary for evil to triumph is for good men to do nothing. Good men and women to do nothing. Based on this evidence, we need to get out of this contentment and living like this is the promised land. Now, I got the mirror in front of me. I've, had, I've been going over this, and God's given me this for weeks and weeks now. <laughs> and I'm talking about myself. It hits, God always hits the, the messenger first. Okay, he's already hitting me, and, and I told you what he spoke through Scott this morning and how he's really speaking to me. So he's speaking to each of us. So based on this evidence, we need to get out of this contentment. Let's take it personal. Let's take it to ourselves. Let's look at ourselves. What's the evidence? Now, we just heard a lot of good God's doing in our church, and we know it. Look around. But y'all, he can do more. He can do more. I mean, God can move. Those six that raised their hand today, when Scott was up here, and the Holy Spirit, if he's here, he can grab them a hold, and they would come run into this altar. I'm telling you, there's nothing. What can he not do? Don't we want to see that? Don't we want to see that? Don't you want your personal habits and things to be broken so that you look more like Christ? I do. I fight this thing. There's some of you in here know me personally. And you shake your head. How come you like that? I can't stand it. And I pray every day. But God can change it. God can move on a soul and a heart in a minute. He made a donkey speak. That's the only reason I get up here. He made a donkey speak. Hey, mine's verbally English. I can speak. God speak it. If that's so, that's why I get up here, trembling and all, because of him. But this is not heaven here, y'all. This is not heaven. But we have been lulled into believing it is by the enemy through the blessings of God, the American church. Now think about the American church. We have been lulled into believing this is heaven. Instead of the American 
church remembering who gives these blessings and continuing to honor him, in fact, honoring him more and loving him more, we have begun to lay back and feast. Therefore, letting the things that's important to God go by the wayside. I do it to my own personal life. We can't do that. We can't do that if we want him to move. He's the almighty. Pretend like he's sitting here. And he is here. What in your life would change if he was sitting here? And he said, he just looked at you. Come here. I know you inside and out. We have to remember we are not of this world. It's so easy in America to fall into this trap, y'all. When we get blessed, we think the material blessings is God. I have Christians, they say they're Christians, and they, they you know, I don't have to come to church. God still blesses me. I pray, I go, you know, and do. Where's the love for him to try? I don't have a problem with the lost doing what they do. I have a problem with me doing what I ain't supposed to do and what I'll point out there. What the Christians out there are doing that they ain't supposed to do. You claim to be a Christian, be working on it. I know there's people that know me personally might not think at times. I know they love me to death because they, it just don't all change like we want it to be. But buddy, I, I cry out to them. Are we crying out to God? Are we? We got to do it. But we have to remember we are not of this world. We are of the invisible king. The invisible king. We're just passing through here. Remember, Jesus didn't have a home. He didn't have anything. He never married. He never did any of those things. He had one, one purpose, to love God with everything he had. Why? For me. Wow. For me. And you. Should that not make us love him more? Our nation needs a touch of God's healing power. In my opinion, that's our American Christian church, content. Therefore, why the country is in the shape it is and why it does not keep the three great commandments. And I'm talking about the Christian church, why they don't. Now our fix. Now our fix. The fix is always God's word and obedience. You agree? It's always his word and obedience to it. It don't change. It's not going to sway or move this way or that way. This is what he says. So to fix anything, go to the word of God. Three scriptures that if we obey will change us, our home, our church, and the American church us individually, privately, our home, our family, our church, and the American church. God has been saying through this through our pastor for a long time. God's been saying this. Do you have any power of your own? To live the Christian life, do you have any power of your own? Do I? 
No. The Bible says we do not. It's only by His power that we live this Christian life. The first scripture is 2 Chronicles 7.14. And this is what the pastor's been saying for so long. And if you don't know it, you can turn there. 2 Chronicles 7.14. If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land. God says, who? He says, when my people is called by my name. Why is he so strong about that, about the church? What, what orders the steps of a nation? What does? The church. The church does. Why would he say he will heal their land? The church orders and lays out and how God will work in the land. We do. God can do anything he wants. But he wants his greatest creation, us, to follow him and love him with all our heart, soul, and strength. So he says, my people, first he says, if my people that's called by my name, that's us, right? That's us. He says, if we'll humble ourselves. Ooh, boy, that's hard. Now he's talking about humbling ourselves to pray. I didn't ever look at that real deep. He means all kind of humble, being humble, because that's that's God's main thing. Oh, it's taking me so long to get that. But he's talking about praying here. Humble thyself. And how does he say humble his humble yourself? What does he say in his word? Like a child, right? What's a child do? They just gullible. You know, they just they believe you. They'll do, you know, believe. So like a child, it's very important. So he says, humble yourselves. Then he says, pray. You've got to humble yourself to pray. We don't think we have a need. I'm not talking about, you know, that we don't have needs. I'm talking about looking at the American church and looking at the church around and our church too. We do great things, but we can do more. We can if the Holy Spirit is moving, if He is moving through us. Then He says, "Pray, humble yourself, pray, seek My face." Means to look to get a closer view of the Lord. We do. We get a closer look. We're gonna be changed. Turn from your wickedness. Turn from our wickedness. Stop the sin he's telling us. Stop the sin he's telling us what, what this means. Turn from your wickedness. Not a list. God ain't going to pile a big list on you. It's that one thing that he keeps putting his finger on that keeps you up at 3 in the morning. Why can't I sleep? Why can't I sleep? Well, you do what you're supposed to do, Ronnie, and you might sleep. Spirit will give you peace. Okay? Turn from that one thing. So don't don't take it as he's got a list, a big bag for us. He's a loving, patient God. Then he hears. He says, then I'll hear. I'll hear you. I'll hear you. He listens then. Forgives our sin. He says, I'll forgive your sin. We are brought closer to him. 
be brought closer. He said, then I'll heal your land. Then I'll heal your land. Is America's land in, in, in bad shape? I'd have to say yes. Well, by the word, if it is, there's something wrong with the church. He wouldn't say all these things to his church. These are his, his people. He's not talking about the lost out there. He's not saying, you lost, you straighten up and clean yourself up and do this. No, he says, oh, what is it individually in our life? You know, we're here on Sunday night. A lot of churches are not. That's a great thing. But what can we do more? Then we need somebody to help us. All right? He tells us what to do. He tells us how to change our land. We've read the commandments at the beginning of what the three great commandments are and what we're supposed to be doing, right? It's written down, do it. All right? Then he says, okay, your land's in a mess like it is. Do this. You, my people, called by my name, you walk around saying, you're mine, Ronnie. Humble yourself, Ronnie. Pray. Call out. Then I'll heal your, your land. So we need somebody to help us. The Holy Spirit. The only one that can help us. The second scripture is Luke eleven thirteen. It says, If ye then, being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask him? He was talking about asking for prayer, and they was praying there, and he he ends that with saying that. Did that ever... If y'all know that, that scripture, 1 through 13, that kind of blew me away. We were talking about asking for bread and somebody comes to your house and wakes you up. And I thought about some of my friends if I'd wait at 3 in the morning come beating on their door. I'd tell them, say, you know, Sam, get up and give me some bread. Oh, I ain't getting up. I ain't getting up now. I'm asleep, you know. What's going to help us to be able to get up? What's going to help us to get up with a better attitude? The Holy Spirit. But in this... It ends with Jesus saying, after talking about you wouldn't give your son a stone if he asked for bread. And I'm paraphrasing there. He ends it with saying, how much more shall your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask him? Y'all get this? I'm, this is the key. I haven't got it yet. But this is the key as a body. I want to see things happen here. As great as all that is, I want to see him move in here. I don't want to see somebody say, well, there's five or six hands go up and they don't move. I want to see real disciples. I want to see me being kinder and gentler and better. That's what I want to see. You didn't come and we didn't come to God by ourselves. He saved us. God did that by the Holy Spirit. So how much more shall your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask him? Jesus knew, and just as, this, as the disciples found out, without the Holy Spirit leading, leading the way, they would fail. And we will also. We can't do it on our own. We can't do anything for God without him being in us doing it. So we have to ask for him. And Jesus showed us every day that we should ask. He prayed every day. He talked to the Father every day. Third scripture, Acts 1.8. But ye shall receive power. Receive what? 
You shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and into all Judea and Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. The disciples couldn't follow Jesus' command without the Holy Spirit. And we can't. So Jesus says, ask him for the Holy Spirit, and you will receive, and what will happen? You'll be witnesses unto him. Not you'll do miracles, not that these powerful things will happen, which they can. You will be witnesses unto me. You will have the power to be bold at your job. You will have the power to live the life out that, like it's supposed to be. The Holy Spirit has to do it in and through us. Do we want to, be, to do greater works, or are we content with just having church? Again, I'm not pointing at us in a negative way, y'all. I'm not. Do we want to just come here? I want more. I want more. I want to see my God do the things he used to do. I'm going to tell you, it, if, if it's just coming in here and sitting down and getting up and going home as church, ain't nobody coming in here. And I, I, I'm telling you, it's kind of boring. If coming in here and just doing the same thing over and over and over and over, why does anybody want to be in here? I'm not talking about our church, particular just our church, but in the Christian church. We don't have the power in, the, in our country and, and through the church that we used to have, that I read about. Look, in Acts, what happened? The power of God moved. It moved. So we need to seek more of the Holy Spirit. We know He lives in us, right? You say He lives in us. But He says, be filled. Be filled. Be asking. He's the one that's got to do it. He's the one that has to move in us. We need to seek more of Him privately, with our family, and in the church. Now, how can it start? I mean, y'all sitting here looking at me, and I mean... Some of you were like he's looking in lights like a deer or something, you know. Like, but but do you want change? Do do you want to stay just like you are? I mean, really. If you do, you will. We'll stay just like we are. Man, I want to see him move, and I know our hearts do. If you're his, he's branded that love in your heart. But content, living off the land. And I think he's fixing to do something. But he's telling us, church, you going to come along with me? And I want Miles Road to be with him. I want us to be the one that starts it all. The excitement. God just moves. Boy, did you drive by and they I got to go in there. My car, I don't know why it's doing wouldn't you like, and they come in, I don't know why I'm here. Come running. Y'all, that can happen. Just as I talked about the donkey speaking, really, he did speak. He, he did. The Bible says he did. I believe it. He said, what you need me for? He spoke. So how can it start? By understanding our helplessness and humbling ourselves as a child 
and coming forth as a church family to ask God to give us more of Him, the Holy Spirit. What does that mean? That means as a group coming to this altar. Look, we do it at home. We do it at home. Privately, we're supposed to be doing it where nobody knows it but God and us. That should be going on anyway. Then as a family, but we're family. We're family here. I mean, think if you was God and you was up here and you're here you're sitting and you know every heart and every life. Every Sunday, Sunday night, Wednesday, pastor preached how the word of God said. And he says, I'm right here. Humble yourself. Humble ourselves. It's hard. Wouldn't that be humbling ourselves? Wouldn't it be humbling ourselves when we say, look, and you don't go by, you know, I've been sitting so many times and, and I've been told and I've read where you sit until the Holy Spirit touches you and tells you to go to the altar. Word don't say that. Word says look at yourself in the mirror. Are you perfect? We heard this morning. <laughs> Ain't a one in here perfect. You don't need nothing. I sit back there last Sunday and the pastor's sitting here. Come. Come to the altar. Come and pray. Sit right there. You can have a thousand reasons. Well, so-and-so is thinking. Especially if the pastor does this now. He got an altar. He, he, he preached a certain message. And then you get there and he said, well, if he don't say that, you know, I'm going to go. I'm going to go. He's thinking of me. But then he'll add something. Well, if, you, if, if this is the problem, oh, I can't go. They're going to think that's me. He already knows it's you. And he's the one that can help us. But we sit in here and we come in and out. The word of God preached. And God's saying, I know you, Doreen. That's my wife. I know you. You're my sweet daughter. But you know you've been praying about that. Come on up. And you come on up and talk. Come on up and come to me. It shows me humility. Because I already know what you need. I already know your sin. And then what's going to happen? God's going to say, look at my family. Look at my family. He blows where he wishes. Whoa, how about that, son? He come in here. We're scared. We're scared of him moving. Because it's going to change something in my life and he's been telling me putting that finger just do it jump out the boat and swim that's what we got to do y'all jump out the boat come to me your child you want them to come tell you you want them to come tell you what they want you're ready to give it to them he says how much more if I'll give you I'll, that I'll give you the Holy Spirit I'll help you. I'll give you more of him, and you'll be able to go out. Again, we don't seek the Holy Spirit to do signs and wonders. Remember Jesus told the disciples when they come up to 70, and they said, the demons of hell are subject to me. He said, oh, that's good. I'm paraphrasing. No, that's good. What did he say was most important? He said, but, be gladder that your name's written down in the Lamb's book of life. Nothing more important to God than salvation of souls. He wants every one of us. 
He can't do it, Snow. He can do anything he wants, but he wants to use us. Going over this, man, I was this week at work, and this fellow I've been wanting to witness to, and I've been holding back, but I started praying, give me more of your Holy Spirit. Give me more. Give me more, Lord. Give me more. Baptists are scared of that, too, because they it's not that. Don't think of it like that. Think of it, God, Jesus said, ask. And I went to work, boy, and he, in my pew, he just spoke through me and started and just like that there. I said, boo, that's what I'm talking about. That's what he wants, and that's what we can be. We can be everywhere we go, light. We can. So we don't seek the Holy Spirit for signs and wonders, but to become witnesses of Jesus. And that's not what Jesus, and that's what Jesus says. If we ask for him, we will receive him and become those witnesses unto all the earth. That's what the power's for. What I would like to do is we have somebody play something soft. You play something soft. I want you to think about your life. I want you to think about the message of how we're supposed to love God. I want you to think about how we're supposed to love each other, our neighbors, and how we're supposed to be witnesses unto Him. How the first church was all those things. And even our America was that when they came here. That's what they wanted, the freedom to be able to do. And I want us to think about that and then look at our lives and see if there's anything, just anything, that we'd like Jesus to do and to help us with. What, what, what would be wonderful to happen? That can happen. It can happen. And I'm going to ask everybody to come, whoever can or wants to, to the altar to ask God to fill you up with more of himself that we can see by honoring him, humble, nothing to do with honor. It's God that's saying, family, come. You've got to show humility. You've got to come to me. I want you to come. So uh, the altar is going to be open, and um, music's going to be playing, and then I'll close us once um, everybody gets here that wants to come.